and uh, show up and Cerner was down at the entire hospital, had paper charts, which means paper orders for everything you want to do. Awful, you couldn't look up any lab results. You had to go down and check like the paper that was faxed. <laughs> yeah, just all a mess. Just give the paper charts to the pigeons that live in the medical school to make the yes. right order. No, the pigeons are at the VA, okay? Okay. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome back to the Emergency Medicine Journal Club podcast. It's a medical education podcast where medical students teach each other about emergency medicine. My name is Armand, I'm a fourth year going into EM, and I'm joined by my faithful co-hosts, Kyle, Charlie, Vera, and Chris. I'm Vera, I'm a second year med student. I'm interested in EM, but I'm still keeping my options open. My name's Chris, I'm also a second year, and I am interested in going to EM, pretty certain about it. So my name is Charlie Hartley. I'm a fourth year going into emergency medicine, uh, possibly a fellowship of critical care. Hello, I'm Kyle, and I'm also a fourth year medical student going into emergency medicine. I have some announcements, guys. Uh, number one is that Charlie took step two, and he's done, and I'm very happy. Bella, put thunderous applause here in the recording. Good job, Charlie. Hey, oh, it feels... Got a 298. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, they actually, they just closed the center as soon as I left because there was like, nobody can ever get a score that high again, so we're just going to close the center at this point. So they closed it, commemoration to Charlie Hartley, 298 on step two. We're closing this Prometric Center. Forget the, the, the pandemic, like, there are very few spots. It's okay. It's worth it. It was great. It was great. What can I say? I believe that they closed the Prometric Center for no reason, but I don't believe... That you gotta, you know. Um, okay, and we, I have another. Um, I have another very important announcement, guys. You probably haven't heard our last latest episode because it hasn't come out yet. But the last episode was about some 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 stuff. I'm not going to spoil it, but it involves an, a drug called Lasix. So it's a loop diuretic, and we were looking up something that Kyle said during the last podcast, which was, "Yeah, sure, you know what? I'll give it to her rectally." And I was like, they don't have rectal Lasix. So I looked up rectal Lasix. It was a him, okay. All right, anyway, so I looked up rectal Lasix, guys. Doesn't exist, but you know what does exist is this paper from Marine Ecology. And the title of the paper is Effective Loop Diuretics on the Salt Secretion in Shark Rectal Glands. <laughs> <laughs> so let me explain this very quickly. A certain species of shark out there in the world uses its, its rectal gland to help with salt homeostasis like we use our loop of Henle in our kidneys. And now you've wow. learned something new. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I guess I got to deal with all that salt somewhere. You know? yeah. But I guess I figured shark kidneys were a thing. Do they not have kidneys? I have no idea. That's a good question. Yes, sharks have kidneys. How do you give a shark Lasix? I don't, yeah, that's what I've been wondering. I don't know if they actually give the shark Lasix. Did they give the shark rectal Lasix? <laughs> I don't know. But sharks live in saline? I mean, isn't it like a completely different concept for them? Like <laughs> <laughs> Now, just imagining a poor shark in like this container being like, oh God, I, come on. <laughs> it's so stale in here. <laughs> All right, great. Now that we're done with that, um, we're going to quickly go through the format, guys, which is a little bit changed actually. So it'll be Charlie today who is going to be walking us through a case that he either had or he made up. And then it'll be... All of us, the rest of us, trying to get through it with our dignity and honor intact. And at the end, hopefully, the patient will be alive and we will have learned something. But wait, there's more this time because this time we have fourth-year medical students and second-year medical students. And it would be very, very unfair for me and Kyle to be like, oh, yeah, I know what to do. Uh, do, do this. And then, you know, Chris and Vera have no idea what's going on. They don't talk the entire time. That's not what's going to happen. Instead, we are going to implement a rule 
where Chris and Vera are going to be able to ask the questions or request stuff from uh, Charlie first before me and Kyle get to. So you guys just got to let us know when you're done asking questions. We're going to be your lifeline here, but we're also drowning, just so you know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm done until January, so I have zero knowledge in my mind now. <laughs> it's all gone. It's yeah. all virtual now. As always, I like spelling out our goals. They are one, to learn one new thing, which we already have about shark rectal glands. I'm going to put the more you know sound right here because this is an early one. <laughs> two, for that one thing to be a modern emergency medicine, so can't can't be the shark rectal gland thing. Uh, and then three, we have to have a little bit of fun while we're doing this because um, life is hell right now. So that's what I got. Charlie, you have the floor. Tell us about your case. Excellent. You are working in the emergency department and a patient comes in complaining of ankle pain. What do you want to know? How long have you had the pain for? And so it's a funny story, actually. I was sitting in a diner eating uh, poutine and uh, I noticed these motorcycles speeding down the road. So I left the diner, got on a motorcycle and proceeded to chase down six henchmen on their motorcycles. In the process, I slid my motorcycle underneath the semi-truck and I saved the life of Justin Trudeau. Now, after having done all this, I went back to the diner and as I'm, I'm setting my motorcycle back up, I park it outside the diner and I'm walking up to the diner and I trip over the curb and I twist my ankle. So that's what happened, it's like 30 minutes ago. Did she walk into the ED? They walked, they walked into the emergency department, yeah. They have kind of a limp though. Any history of other trauma to that ankle? Some in the distant past, but nothing that's limited uh, motion. What in the distant past? Prior ankle sprain when he was a kid. Can you describe the current pain in your ankle? Sure, it kind of burns. On a scale of one to 10, with 10 being the worst pain you've ever felt, how would you describe the current pain as? Well, I look stoically off into the distance and I say, about a four. That's a lie. No one ever says four. He's so sorry. So sorry. What else would you like to know? Do you have any other pain from tripping except for the pain in your ankle? You know, I hit my knee when I fell down, uh, and I hate to admit it, but it hurts a little bit. Okay. And what part of your knee, like the side of your knee or like the center? Um, it's like, I would say like just on the, on the front, you know, I was wearing very tight jeans, um, and there's like a little rip in the jeans. You can see a little blood there. What about your hands? Are your hands fine? My hands are okay. You know, they're pretty tough. They're doing all right. I'm mostly worried about my ankle. Any head or neck pain or back pain? No. Nope. No head trauma, lost consciousness? Uh, nope. Nope. Simply was going back to eat my poutine in the diner. Just twisted my ankle. Yeah, we've got, we've got a lot of history. Well, can we, do you mind if, if we ask like one or two more questions, guys? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, all right. I would like quick ABCs. Quick ABCs. Yes, please. Primary surveys. Wait, do you guys know what the ABCs are? So, airway breathing. Yes, okay, they're not. Airway, well, if they're med students, they're always going to nod. Uh, airway breathing and circulation it makes up. You're the, a med student too. <laughs> <laughs> we learned to not. It's what if we don't know. That's like, true. That's true. Yeah. Oh God, I'm doing it right now. Okay. Chill out. <laughs> Primary survey: airway, breathing, and circulation. Totally negative. Everything's clear. What are his like initial vital signs? So his heart rate is 92. Blood pressure is 132 over 84. He's batting 98% on room air. Respiratory rate is 18. Does he have? Any other injuries other than, I think Vera asked, like, so he's got a knee injury, an ankle injury, and then, I mean, he, this guy literally went underneath a, a semi, is what you said? He looks shockingly good. Like, you're looking at this guy and you're like, man, he seems like nothing in the world could touch him, you know? It's just his ankle. 
you know this is going to go south now. Does he have any medical problems? Taking any medications? Take Zyrtec. He takes a once daily multivitamin. What about his past medical history? Does he have any conditions? Nope, no chronic medical conditions. He has been upsettingly healthy his entire life. Okay. Were you wearing a helmet when you were on the motorcycle? He was wearing a helmet. Nice. Yes, he was wearing a helmet. Okay. What I am getting here is the mechanism of injury was actually that he tripped over like the curb. Not the fact that he went under a semi and a motorcycle and went on a motorcycle chase, but the fact that he, after all of that, simply tripped over the curb. Yeah. You know, for something like this, I might, I might not typically come to the ER, but, you know, I have a, I have a flight to Chechnya to, that I have to get to visit an old friend. And he stares off into the distance and clenches his jaw and stares with a grim determination in his eyes. Is there any other history that we want to get, guys? I'm going to ask one more. Just to rule that when you trip, did you trip because you hit something or because you felt like you were dizzy and to pass out or anything? You know, I was just, I was thinking about that poutine. I was looking at my sweet motorcycle and I just missed the curb. And I like kind of stumbled and came down on my ankle in a, in a weird way. Good question. Are you noticing any deformity? Oh, actually, yeah. I looked down and it's, it's a little swollen, like a little purple, not quite purple, like more red. And it seemed like it goes pretty much around the whole ankle. And what about your other ankle? Is it fine? He lifts up his other ankle and shifts it around. And he says, yeah, looks good to me. And that's about so it. So everybody listening knows Charlie just showed us his, his slippers <laughs> and his very strong ankle muscles. I've only got one. So it's, not, it's a good thing I showed my love. Can you tell us about if you had any surgeries in the past? I, I had a left ankle fixation for a distal tib-fib fracture. Uh, that was back in, uh, back in my early days of, well, anyways. Back when I was younger. Which ankle is the one that you tripped on? My right ankle. Have you had any pain with your left ankle after the surgery? No. I had to kind of get back to, th to things quickly. So rehab was very dedicated. To me, it, it feels like normal now. Any allergies to medications? Nope. How did your right ankle feel when you walked into the hospital? Tender. You know, it didn't feel good. But, uh, you know, if I needed to do what I needed to do, I could probably do it. But it didn't, it didn't feel great. Did you ice before you came in, or did you just come straight into the emergency department? No, I just came straight in. Haven't taken any medications today, other than my Zyrtec. Which way did you twist it? Do you remember when you fell? Did you twist it in or out? Let me think about it. I stepped with my left foot, kind of stumbled, and I landed with my right. And actually, now that you mention it, my, my little toe hit first, and I kind of, it kind of bent in underneath. So I kind of, the outside of my ankle went towards the ground and the inside of my foot kind of came up. It's like inversion, I guess. Sounds good to me. I don't know any other questions that I would ask. How was the poutine? Poutine was good. I mean, it was cold by the time I got back, but uh, the, the kindly, the kindly uh, you know, she came over and gave me a nice healthy dose of fresh gravy. So um, it was great. Cheese curds were amazing. You know, that's why I love being here in Canada. Okay, Ryan Reynolds. All right, physical exam. So I think we already got a, a set of vitals and they were pretty normal. Let's move on. What do you guys want to do? Examine the ankles and check for differences between the two and for abnormalities on the right ankle. So you look at two ankles. The patient is um, sitting on the table and he rolls up his tight pants and uh, you see that his right ankle looks red and swollen and his left ankle looks normal, signs of prior surgery. How would you like to approach the ankle exam? Range of motion. Okay. We can start with passive and then do the active range of motion. Sure. So as you passively flex his ankle, he has tenderness with 
inversion and with uh, medial motion, but he can rotate his ankle 360 degrees in both directions with minor pain. Maybe do some palpation, feel like underneath both malleoli. Like, is there tenderness underneath? Underneath the malleoli? Yeah, between that and like the sole of the foot. Ah, okay. You're palpating below the malleoli, and it's definitely tender on the outside there. He is not happy to admit it, but he says, ow. And you palpate over the foot. Is there anywhere in particular that else, other than underneath the malleoli, that you want to palpate in the foot? So in the foot, it's like, you, you would palpate the, uh, it's like the tuberosity of the fifth metatarsal, I think. You'd palpate there, and like the same on the other side. Okay, so you palpate along the foot. He's got some tenderness on that, uh, would you say, malleola? Yeah, I, uh, I'm tender out there when you press. Um, that definitely hurts. And when, uh, when you press on the inside, eh, it doesn't hurt so much. It feels okay on the inside. So is the outside of the, the foot or the malleola? Outside of the foot. The foot, okay. And then I guess also palpate the malleola. It's like the anterior and posterior parts of the malleola. Okay, yes, there's some tenderness when you palpate the, when your hand's closer to my ankle, there's some tenderness there. In medical terms, I think you call it proximally, but I'm the, okay. I'm the patient here. So like the, the anterior of which malleoli? Malleolus, I guess it would be. I'm not sure if I get that term, says the patient. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would push on, can I, I'm not gonna bring my foot up. But it's not that kind of show. Uh, Trying to think how to explain. It's more painful closer to the ankle of the that part of the foot, like along the edge. It's closer back towards the ankle. Okay. And when you press on top, there's pain there, but not underneath. Okay. I think that's it for the ankle exam. Did we check pulses? Uh, you didn't, but you checked, and they're they're there. Cool. I like to hear that. It's good looking foot. <laughs> what about his like ankle jerk reflex? Calls you a jerk for doing the ankle jerk reflex because it hurts. Great. But, uh, and can you feel me touching his toes equally on both sides? Um, he says, "Do." He says, "Do it a little bit more and look me in the eye." Okay, and I'm gonna leave now. <laughs> no, he could feel. He could feel sensation totally intact, equal bilaterally reflexes, 100 intact. All right, let's move on from this foot exam. We're just gonna inspect the injured knee, right knee. What do you want to do? Just look at it if, to see if there's any like scrapes or bruises on it. Sure. Yeah. You look at the knee. There's what looks to be like a superficial abrasion right over the kneecap, but no uh, apparent swelling of the knee that you can see. Range of motion. Passively, full range of motion. Active, full range of motion. I guess kind of same deal. Palpating, like where where is he having pain? Like over the patella, on the sides, kind of at like the the distal femur or like the proximal tibia? Yeah, it seems like the pain is located pretty much completely over the patella, but it's more, it seems like it's the pain's more from the, the, the scrape he has there than it is like deep bone pain. Is he able to do like extension against resistance? Yeah. I would like to look at this man's skin, all of it. Like his whole body? Yeah, like a secondary exam. I know that the primary mechanism of injury was him just tripping, but I mean, come on, still, motorcycle under a semi. Yeah, so you do a survey. You see he's got, eh, it looks like he didn't come away totally scot-free from the, uh, the motorcycle ride. He's got a raspberry on his right hip. But other than that, he's really, he's good to go. Other than that road rash, he, he has nothing else anywhere on his body. It's re it is remarkable. Do you say raspberry? Raspberry. Is that what you call it? Road rash? I don't, I've never heard that term. before. Yeah, raspberry. You guys raspberry? Yeah. yeah. I thought you lived yeah. in like a... <laughs> Oh, it looks like okay. I thought you meant like a literal, like a tattoo or something. You oh. know, like. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, all right, all right. No, stick for road rash. Okay, all right. No, I get it. I just got a little bit of road rash. Thank you. That's what I wanted to know. Yeah, no. That's it. I don't trust that he didn't hit his head. Can I do a neuro exam? Cranial nerve, fully intact. Got full motion of his neck. Dermatomes are fully functional all through the arms. He can feel everything. Reflexes are normal going the whole way down his body. All right, cool. Can he still spin his ankles 360 degrees both directions? Yeah, and again, just to clarify, this isn't like exorcism ankles here. Um, this is like he can draw a circle oh, in the air okay, with all right. his toe clockwise. Yeah, me, me and Kyle were just like sitting here like, oh, what is wrong with this guy's ankle? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm like, I want an ortho consult ASAP. Yeah, no, this is uh drawing a circle in the sky. Oh my yeah, yeah, yeah. god. He walked in like that. Impressive. Oh good point actually. Uh, I would like to walk this this person. Okay. So you get him up out of bed, he, he kind of gingerly puts his right foot down, he takes ten steps across the room, comes back, he's limping, you know, it definitely doesn't feel good, but he's he's able to to bear weight and walk across the room. Can we have him walk across the room on his toes? He can do it with his left toe, but he's very reluctant to do it on his right side because it hurts too much. What about on his heels? Heels are good. It's, again, it hurts, so it's, it's, he's not super great on his right side, but on his left side, it seems like he can do it fine. Is his pain when he walks on his, in his ankle or his knee or both? You know, now that you mention it, it seems like it's mostly the ankle. Do we want to move on to diagnostic testing? Yes, we're all nodding. Just like you said. Excellent. What would you like to do? So I think with the ankle, you would have to follow the auto rules. So, but I'm blanking on, he's able to bear weight, but the question is, I guess, with where is he having pain? And I don't really exactly remember what the cutoff is for there and what to image. What's your general feeling about whether or not you want to do a, an x-ray right now? I believe yes. Cause I think it's, I think it's posterior. If you have pain posteriorly on your malleoli, that's would image for ankle. Okay which I think he does, if I understood how he was explaining it. <laughs> so my gut would be yes. And I think the knee, I know there's a rule for the knee as well, but I, I wouldn't say image the knee, just he's having like a little pain. He's not a weight bearing pain. I, my gut is to not image the knee. That's okay. my gut feeling. All right, any other diagnostic tests you guys want to do? I would like an ultrasound of his knee and his ankle, MSK ultrasound. Ultrasound of the knee and the ankle. Okay, all right. So how about the foot? Anything with the foot you want to look at? He had pain as we described, so I guess he would do it over the foot as well. All right, so we're getting x-rays of the ankle and the foot, and we're getting an ultrasound of the knee and of the, the ankle. So the ultrasound gets done first. Uh, the EM resident, who is incredibly talented at ultrasound because emergency medicine is generally just amazing at ultrasound, looks at the knee, it looks remarkably great, um, totally clear, clearest knee she's ever seen. And then uh, looking at the ankle, it's unclear. It definitely looks like there's some soft tissue swelling, but um, it's unclear if there's any sort of joint effusion or anything there. It doesn't look like there's too much fluid in the joint. And then uh, you get the x-rays. Good thing you did. They come back 50-50. So the ankle x-ray shows a distal fibular fracture, and the foot uh, x-ray comes back totally negative. What would you like to do now? Would we have to get an ortho consult for this? That's a good question. That is a good question. I actually don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Bella, Bella, go go look up whether we need to get an ortho consult for this. Is it Bella, displaced? Unfortunately, our recording gets a little garbled here. A stable, 
Non-displaced, isolated lateral malleolar fracture may not need an orthopedics consult, and can be managed with a splint or cast, early weight-bearing, and rice therapy. On the other hand, an unstable or displaced fracture will need an orthopedics consult, with reduction and splinting, possibly through surgery. Splinted. <laughs> so it's splinted. You give him uh, anything else you want to do for him right now? What do you think? Medications? Anything? NSAIDs. NSAIDs. Okay, perfect. Anything else? Uh, rice. Rice. What is rice for? Rest, ice, compression, elevation. Rest, ice, compression. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Okay. So you uh, give him his NSAIDs. So you pour rice over him. Yep, you pour rice all over the ankle. <laughs> Works out really well. It's cold rice, so that helps a lot. It's got to dry it out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you spilled water on his ankle, so you put rice all over it. There you go. That's it. You splint him up. You give him a certain degree of range of motion. And he looks you right in the eye, stoically nods his head, doesn't say a word, and just walks. jumps right out of, the, out of the hospital. Unsure if you ever see him again. He jumps out of the hospital? He stumps. Oh, he stumps out of that. Okay. He's got, right. he's got the splint on, you know. He's like, okay. stumps. Does he leave on the motorcycle? Oh, yeah. He's never not on the motorcycle. He tried to bring the motorcycle into the emergency department. It was under the bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It went, it went in his patient belongings bag. <laughs> he actually hit a button and it folded up and he put it in his purse. I didn't mention he was carrying a purse. but Nice. Well done. Very well done. Hurrah. So, a bizarre case, I realized, but the point of this was to actually talk about the Ottawa ankle rules, which... Chris, you hit on perfectly. I mean, you didn't quite get them, but you were, you were close. Chris, were you an EMT in a prior life? Yeah, I was a paramedic before medical school. I mean, I still work oh, in paramedic. But... Well, that's not, that's not fair. All right. I was like, man, he, he's, he's thinking about this. I just had so many facts about Ottawa that I looked up because of the Ottawa anchor rules. If I had been smarter, I could have fit them in more, more succinctly. But I feel like it would, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about some of them right now. Did you guys know Ottawa is actually the capital of Canada? You knew that? I went there a couple of summers ago and like we had a tour bus and we drove past Trudeau's um, like house. Oh, man. It was really cool. Wow. Did he look out the window and smile? Was he there? No, we were like pretty far away. It's like a huge wow. gate. <laughs> but they just pointed in the direction where his house was. How was the poutine though? It was really good. But I think Montreal had the better. Okay, I'm going to Montreal then. So notable, notable celebrities who went to school in Ottawa include Tom Green and someone who you, who you may recognize now, Tom Cruise. Thinking in hindsight, you realize you recognize this patient who came in and it was Tom Cruise. He went to middle school for a year at Henry Monroe Middle School in Ottawa. Everybody knows this fact. So I was like, I got it. It's going to be so obvious. I got to put Tom Cruise as a patient. Like, there's no way I can't not. At first, I was like, who really values their feet and their ankles? And of course, the first thing that came to my mind was hobbits. And so I was thinking Frodo Baggins. But then I was like, well, Tom Cruise, he went to middle school in, in Ottawa. It was kind of nice, though, because I didn't really have to change much of the, you know, height, size, weight <laughs> differential. They're actually pretty similar. So it worked, out, it worked out pretty well. Did you guys know that Tom Cruise actually broke his ankle while filming one of the Mission Impossibles because he did that stunt where he jumps from one building to another and when he landed and grabbed the building he smashed his ankle <laughs> to stop filming for like six weeks in true ottawa fashion some of the most canadian facts found about ottawa they have some ice floats that are so big in the river during the winter that they have to use dynamite to blow them up so that they don't clog the dam near town and so the river doesn't overflow in the winter and flood the city so I thought that was literally the most Canadian thing I'd ever heard. 
They also have the largest outdoor skating rink in the world. They're one of their rivers freezes in the winter and it's 7.8 kilometers wrong. The Rideau Canal. All right. All right. So that's enough for Ottawa. It seems like a lovely place. So the Ottawa Acre Rule. Ottawa has produced an endless number of uh, clinical decision-making tools that we can use as ER physicians to make decisions about how we want to treat our patients. Some of the most notable are the orthopedic ones. They're Ottawa ankle and foot rules, um, and also the knee. And you guys um, nailed it for the most part, but let's go over the rules specifically just so that we have it clear throughout. Patient first came in, you did a really good job of asking about past medical history. So why would it be important to know if there have been prior injuries on the, the ankle? I think my threshold for imaging is is way lower in somebody who's had like previous procedures done to their, you know, to their ankle. Yeah. But again, I don't have like an actual rule. I mean, a part of it is is so that when you're comparing the sides, so he mentioned that he had a previous ankle surgery on his left side. So that means when you're comparing your physical exam, you want to take that into account. So say there's limited mobility, limited flexibility on the uninjured side compared to the injured side. You just want to make sure what the baseline is for both. And if you're comparing it to baseline, make sure that that is actually a comparable thing. So if you were doing the physical exam and things mm. were tight on his left ankle, you, you know, would want to clarify what the ankle surgery had been and how that might compare to what his right ankle was in normal times. So the history, I thought you did great. Okay. And let's get to the physical exam. So the physical exam is the key component to the auto ankle rules. And basically This is a great rule to know because when you're in the ER, you're going to see a ton of ankle injuries. And this rule came up initially because physicians were concerned about how many radiographs they were giving, ankle radiographs, foot radiographs, they were giving to people without knowing whether or not they had a fracture. And it turns out that a lot of them were unnecessary. And so the group at Ottawa, a guy named Ian Steele, you can actually see his videos on YouTube of Dr. Steele doing the actual Ottawa ankle rule on YouTube. So there are five key components to the Ottawa ankle rule. Start with what, exactly what you guys did, which was, Chris, you asked, had the patient walked into the ER? That's a good thing to ask because you want to know, were they able to ambulate immediately after it got injured? And are they able to ambulate in the ER? Another thing that was critical that fits into the Ottawa criteria to your applying to. So the Ottawa rules are actually only for people who have blunt injury to the ankle. You don't want to think about like a, an axe blow to the ankle or this is all blunt force trauma to the ankle. And there was some questions about whether or not the Ottawa ankle rules applies to pediatric patients, but there have since been studies that have shown up to 100% sensitivity with the Ottawa ankle rules for ruling out fractures. With the Ottawa ankle rule, you're trying to figure out, do I need to do a radiograph or not? He was able to ambulate the team. So what was the next thing you guys did in the physical exam? Check pulses. Push around his malleole <laughs> and his feet, I guess. Right. Is, does the foot look perfused? There's a lot of redundant blood flow to the, to the foot and to the ankle. So if there is a loss of blood flow, um, you want to think higher up on the leg. So that's when you would do an even more in-depth physical exam of the knee, maybe the hip. So you palpate around the malleoli, and the areas that you're looking at are the posterior aspects of the medial and the lateral malleoli. And you want to start distally, so you want to start as low down on the ankle as possible, and you want to palpate up six centimeters. I've heard different versions of this. Some people want you to palpate all the way up the fibula on the lateral side and all the way up the uh, tibia on the medial side. But for the auto ankle rules, you palpate on the posterior aspect of both malleoli up six centimeters, and if there's a tenderness on either side, if it elicits, elicits pain, and that's when you would do a, an x-ray. So exactly like in this patient, you guys palpated the malleoli, there was tenderness over the posterior malleoli, so you got ankle radiographs. Perfect. 
And then, so the Ottawa ankle rules also apply to the feet. There are two places, so in total, you're going to be thinking about five total criteria. Again, it's the, can they ambulate four steps is the minimum. So shifting weight two times. Is there any tenderness to the posterior lateral and medial malleoli? And then the last two criteria, tenderness to the base of the fifth metatarsal, exactly like you said, Chris. And then the other place you want to palpate is along the navicular bone. Now, the sensitivity for the Ottawa ankle rules are really high. Some studies have shown 100%, others have shown 99.7%. Needless to say, if none of these things are positive, you can feel very, very confident that there isn't a fracture, which makes it a really useful tool to use quickly in the ER for a patient who comes with ankle pain. Say you're busy, but some random came in, twisted their ankle, and you want to figure out, okay, do I need to get this person x-rays while I'm seeing other patients? If you want to be focused on kind of the economics of it, you can do these quick tests, say, oh, yep, one of these is positive, or no, none of these are positive, and you can DC them right there, save a couple of hours in the ER for them, and save them some, some radiation to the ankle. The other thing to keep in mind, and this is just kind of like general wisdom for ankle injuries, is you want to also look at the joints on either side. So you guys talked about the knee, which was perfect. We talked about the foot. You can't really go past the foot. So that's pretty much it. Is the, the walking has to be in the ED, like, so they couldn't walk when it happened, but can walk when they get there? It's either or. If they can ambulate at the scene, it's okay. Now, again, you want to think about, like, things that you would be concerned about that might reduce the accuracy of the test. Intoxication, you want to think if they're uncooperative, any distracting injuries, diminished sensation in your legs, any gross swelling that's preventing palpation of the malleoli. If there are any of those things that get in the way, you would want to think about throwing the auto ankle rules and going by the patient picture in front of you. And that's kind of like any decision-making tool. Um, you know, it's a guide, but it's not definitive. So no matter what, if something is telling you uh, the patient presentation that you should be doing more diagnostic testing, then that's your clinical intuition and you should follow that. But if you're looking for an easy cut and dry, all right, should I or should I not in this kind of on the edge case, the auto ankle rules are really useful for that. Huh. That's pretty much it. I mean, there's a lot more the ankles. I listened to a couple of podcasts. Shout out to EM Cases. Yeah. Their podcasts on uh, complex ankle injuries. We will include it in our show notes. Yeah, please do. Their Sorry, show notes Kyle, are, will, Kyle are, will include it in the show notes. <laughs> their show notes are amazing. And it's the host whose name is escaping me right now. Is Anton Hellman. Yes. From, Anton also Hellman. from Canada. Yeah. And then uh, Dr. Arun Sayal, who's an ED ortho educator. And Hossein Mehdian who's an orthopedic surgeon. Um, and uh, they go, they talk about like all the considerations and they go way past the auto ankle rule. So um, shout out to them. It's a great, it's a great uh, episode. It's kind of long, but it's good. Okay. Well, I learned a lot actually. That was a lot. So I know of the Ottawa ankle rule, but I'll be completely honest. Every time I have to, you know, reference it, I go to MD Calc. Oh yeah. I didn't, sure. I, yeah. I, well, I didn't even think about some of the other stuff that you talked about. Learning legitimately was fun today. We'll put the, the more you know thing here as well, even though we got it earlier on. I definitely did not think about, you know, the fact that you can only use this for blunt trauma only. Yeah. It makes total sense, but I was like, oh yeah, I guess you can't really use this if someone has them like shot in the foot or like an ax to the foot or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Do they specify like what all is considered blunt trauma? Like I'm sure plenty of people who just roll their ankles get x-rays. Yeah. Is that considered blunt trauma? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a loose term, I guess. But, you know, it's a car door versus like a car tire hitting your ankle. I don't know. Like, I guess it depends on what part of the door or the ankle, you know, like, but 
generally it's, you know, if you're playing a sport and someone steps on your ankle or like you roll it while you're, while you're coming downstairs or, Oh, one thing I did learn is that the like tearing chest pain of ankle injuries is an external rotation of the ankle. So if the force of the ankle drives it externally, then that's like, we got to do something big. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Like even with ankles, orthopods have their, uh, their own, I don't know, Kyle, if you, if you know anything about that, but, uh, no, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I learned a lot at the end of every podcast. We kind of say one thing that we learned. And my thing is that blunt trauma only, although blunt trauma is loosely defined for the auto ankle rule. How about you guys? I think I learned that the sensitivity is wicked high. I, I knew it was pretty good, but I, I didn't realize yeah. it was like essentially 100%. So that's pretty cool. I learned about the Ottawa rules in general. I never heard of them before. So. Okay, I learned that Tom Cruise went to middle school in Ottawa for one year. I also learned that when I was in fourth grade, running through a forest at night in the snow and smacked my ankle on a tree, the doctor should have used the Ottawa ankle rules on me. Maybe, I guess I was 10, so maybe not, but... Either way, it was broken. Actually, yeah, wait, is this, does this apply to only adults or is it pediatrics? So it, the initial study, the original Ottawa rules were, were 18 plus, but there have been some studies that have used the Ottawa ink rules and it chose to be very sensitive. But even Dr. Steele in the video I saw was like, you have to be careful. And then in, in folks, I think it's less than nine years old you have to be particularly like wary of. Okay. Oh, you always include the knee in your evaluation regardless of complaints if they're older than 55 years old. Okay, I learned that you always include the knee in your evaluation when you're older than 55 <laughs> years old. Okay, that was fun. We learned a lot. We accomplished our goals. I would like to thank my co-hosts, everyone, Charlie, especially, and also Vera, Chris, and Kyle. And uh, also like thank our producer, Bella, for looking up that question. When do we get an ortho consult? That's a good question. That is a good question. All right. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with one friend and only one friend, no one else. And then leave us a nice review on iTunes. We're in the process of figuring out iTunes analytics. I was busy today, but I'm working on it. Yeah, you had a weird call day. Worst day in the hospital. And it's his last day, too. Congratulations. <laughs> Bella, put thunderous applause here for, for Kyle finishing his, uh, his acting internship in, in medicine. Congratulations. My last day which we just happened to be on call for. It's gonna be a great relaxing weekend and uh, show up and Cerner was down at the entire hospital. For one, it was a weekend. So then there's like half the people in the hospital anyways. So you call the radiology department to find something out and no one answers it. It goes straight to voicemail and you don't know the number of the voicemail box to leave a message on. Anyways, it won't be answered until tomorrow, which isn't helpful. So instead you call the CT reading room and no one answers that for five minutes. So then you call the MRI number and no one answers that for five minutes. And then you call the CT tech and they answer and then they give you to the resident and he answers and says, yeah, I didn't see anything. Um, and you wasted 10 minutes of your life. <laughs> yeah. Just all a mess. Just give the paper charts to the pigeons that live in the medical school to make their yes. way over. Yes. No, the pigeons are at the VA. Okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, everybody, <laughs> leave us a five-star review for this riveting <laughs> outro to this podcast. Uh, if you, the listener, have any questions or have an article that you want us to look at, please email us at emjccast 
all one word, lowercase, at gmail.com. Team, I am actively recruiting you all to our naming committee where we come up with a better name than the one we have right now. Uh, today's podcast, by the way, is brought to you by the title EM Lit and is also brought to you by the auto effect. Uh, Charlie, give me an auto effect. The Queen of Holland was exiled to Ottawa during World War II. And so Canada made one of the hospital rooms in their hospital a piece of Holland so that when she gave birth to her child, it was born technically born on, on Dutch land, on Dutch territory. But because of that, now uh, the Netherlands sends uh, tulips to Ottawa every year for this big tulip festival. And it's been like this enduring partnership ever since. Isn't that wild? Friendly neighborhood med student sound. <laughs> Roll out, Autobots. 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 Roll out.